This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in different role playing games. I am your host Jeremy and I am joined by my co-host Afif who is currently doing backflips in zero gravity on the moon. Whoa, Hello, look at this, woo, That's I can feel the sun, do. I can feel the sun, it's interesting that there's or well, maybe we're just dumping too quick into it, but it's interesting that there's still that um, the fascination with the moon, right? That's also another classic kind of American it, trope. I feel like, yeah, it's Especially not Mars. Time. Yeah, it's not Mars. Well, that's, I think that's just a moon. cyberpunk thing. It's like getting off Earth is a big deal in cyberpunk. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because yeah. we are talking about Cyberpunk Edge Runners, uh, the Netflix series that has dropped. We're talking about episode two, uh, Lucky Bo- Like a Boy, not Lucky Boy, Like Like a Boy. And in this episode, with his newly enhanced body, David heads to the academy seeking revenge on his bully. Later, he meets a mysterious woman who wants to recruit him. It's like two sentences. Do we need anything? That was the entire episode. That's literally much, the entire yeah. episode. Uh, so yeah, and that's that's like planning a session of D and D. You know, yeah. sometimes you just don't you don't have much to go off. You're like, well, these are the these are the main beats we're hitting. Sometimes it's just I've got a note here that says um, goblins cave owlbear. I guess I'll figure out when they arrive. Yeah, in what order? Who knows? Doesn't matter. What's the meme where it's like, um, what is it? There he says. The, du- the dungeon master must have planned this for months in advance. Dungeon master's notes. Sexy goblin? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel uh, that's that happens to me too often. Uh. Um, so, yeah, we are talking about episode two. Um, after the last episode where David lost his mother. Um, David Martinez lost his mother. Started to get his, the shit kicked out of him by some kid at school. Basically, bad things happened. And I did like that there was a small recap, an unskippable recap on Netflix, where basically he just shows up and it's like, yeah, I want this super military grade cyberware installed in me. Yeah, uh, it, it and felt- we go back to one of your favorite characters, Ripper Doc. I fucking love it. Okay, here's my <laughs> thing about Ripper Doc. There is, I'll, I'll talk about Ripper Doc first before we really get into it, because this is like the the cold open. Ripperdocs are like, you can't handle this, man. It's like military-grade tech, and you're like, mine's going to get blown with cyber psychosis and all this stuff. And eventually he goes, I'm just going to I'm going to do this for you. I'm not going to charge you anything, because when you can't handle it, you'll bring it back, and I'll take it out of you for free, and the thing is mine, and I'll get all this money. And he's like getting his hands taken off at the same time and like putting in his, his work yeah. hands. But I'm going to put point out that at the end of last episode, he was watching porn when oh absolutely <laughs> when when david showed up and you can see he's still got the porn going he still has this like fleshlight thing jerking him off the entire conversation he's having with david and i'm just like 
the fuck is this world? Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> to oh, just yeah. be like, There's a couple yeah. of those, yeah. It's just, he's just like, yeah, it just keeps going. I'm not going to stop it. I paid 20 bucks for it. It's just going to keep going. <sighs> and it's just so... And the fact that he has these different hands as well. I think there was a thing in um, in Book of Boba Fett that had a similar sort of thing. That he takes... Um, he takes Minya Wen to to the dock to fix up and put cyberware into him, and the doctor changes his hand out to change from a oh, regular yeah, yeah. humanoid hand to like the saw hand that he's going to need to fix her up. Yeah, I really like that, um, and it's like that's some cool world building as well because I think yeah. hands in particular they're one of those things they're so intricate and complicated mm. already. So the idea that oh, like, you can have something even better than that is yeah, it really adds. I think it also kind of suggests that this is a world like there's a whole thing about the body and the philosophy of the body and that humans, I mean, this is one of the reasons that um, people with disabilities and differently able people are discriminated against by general society is because our brains go, that's not the thing that we expect a body to look like. And basically it freaks out. And this idea that this guy is like, no, I don't need my hands. I can get better hands. I can swap my hands out. And he's quite happily had his arms removed at the elbow, both arms, so he can just switch them over whenever he wants. Like that, there's a level of body horror to me, but it also suggests this world is, that's just an average, everyone does this stuff. Yeah, and it it because it does make me like a little uncomfortable. Because like, I wouldn't do that. It's like, I can't, it's hard for me to put myself in that position where I think like, Oh, we're just like, yeah, just willingly take off my hands. Cause there's better versions of hands out there. Mm. And there has been a significant emphasis so far in the series of bodies as meat. Like in the very first cold open, when the, the soldier with the sand, Devast- sand Devastan, um, I'm going to mispronounce we'll Sandy. Call it Sandy. We'll call it Sandy. We'll call we'll call it call Sandy. When the, he's like, just, destroying the cops he's like cutting them up he's like blowing them apart and we see bits of viscera flying onto windows and like he cuts a guy in half and it just like rips it's like it's very clear that these people are meat yeah like this is meat and he is metal and that dichotomy between the two it's like okay the meat is fragile and weak but it can be replaced by something stronger yeah, and that's obviously like a the main kind of theme that goes on throughout the series of mm. that descent into obsession and uh, addiction, just a different kind, yeah, of yeah. metal over meat. Yeah, and just what that that balance is that you can have at a certain level. It's like, well, when do you stop being the person you were? Right, right. Um, because when do you, when does it stop being? When do you stop being human because of all the metal you put inside yourself? So that's what I get every time I see Ripper Doc. <laughs> that's every a really I... roundabout way to get back to the start of the episode, yeah. Well, it just it just is, because it's like, I hear all this stuff about the philosophy of it, but he's someone who puts it into other people. Like, he sees yeah, this as Yeah, and because an he's art. just such... He's so skeezy. He's like, so he's skeezy. So... He's yeah, so great. Yeah, and it just reinforces that idea of, like, oh, like, I hate this, but it's this is the world, yeah, you know? This yeah. Is, this is what we got. Like, he... I don't think... Like he's still around at the end of the series, like yeah, I think spoiler, he just, but some fine, characters yeah. are going to die. 
Like we saw a lot of people die in the first episode, but some other characters are going to die too. And Reaper Doc just keeps doing what he does. He like, doesn't give a David a break because he used to deal drugs or brain dance for him. He does it like his mother's dead. He's like, yeah, but I still got to make a living. I'm not going to do a charity case just because some kid lost his mom. And because he's like stupid, I'm not going to do that. Then I'd be screwed. So Ripper Doc, I'm on board with him. He does have a cool yeah. accent as well. Sure you really wouldn't rather have it gone? Nope. Still can't quite believe you fired that thing up eight times in one goddamn day. You're either a total masochist or... Listen close, Davey. Two a day, no more. Three maybe, but that's the max. No bullshit. Even if your body can take it, that egghead of yours sure can't. Keep fucking around and that implant gonna scramble your brain. He's got that, like... He's got that side NPC plot armor, you know? Yeah. Like... You've developed him enough where you, you don't want to kill him off because he's got too much of a personality, but he's and not important enough where you need to you use him for to really drive the story or anything. It's just kind of and there. he's not enough of a jerk for them to want to kill. Yeah, he's like that perfect, just like edge character. Yeah, yeah, he's just like that. He's that skeezy, sleazy guy who you need to go to for magic items. You need to go to for the the drugs that you need to slip into someone's drink and the poisons. And if you kill him, you don't get this stuff anymore. Because he's the only one that can do it. But he's also like, yeah, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. And he, like, I'm not going to double so cross you. Yep. I'm not going to like give you dodgy shit. I'm going to do what I'm paid to do. I'm just going to be weird about it. I'm but just going to continue like to get is... blown by some sort of weird sucking <laughs> robot while I'm talking to you. Well, uh, yeah. Maybe whether you want to include that in your game or not, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, make sure to just talk to your players first. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's very useful to have that kind of a character in in a game you're running because you don't want to just have like a a faceless vendor like okay you can go to yeah. this shop to get this thing because yeah. that's boring so you want to give them a bit of personality but not so much as well where you end up starting a whole thing and they want to adopt this guy or whatever yeah they're like hey we should bring you to the dungeon with us and like go drinking uh, and yeah eventually yeah. he's like no I don't want to go. <laughs> So yeah, this gross Ripper Doc is kind of a great example of that. He's a great example. And so that's our cold open as we go through this, because just after that scene of um, getting the the Sandy installed into David, we get our first credit sequence, uh, which I'm just going to point out is fucking awesome. It's, um, it's yeah. got Franz Ferdinand's Vis Fire playing over it. It's got like a cool punky motif. Uh, to it it's like david walking across a thing it's like all these flashes of faces and stuff it's cool it looks cool yeah and it's uh, not it's not like too much i would say the opening is um not as anime as a lot of anime openings are no that's true it's very restrained for an anime and it gives me mild Mild cowboy bebop with just like the silhouettes. Yeah, I think that's intentional. It does yeah. feel that the whole series feels very cowboy bebop to me. I think they very much drew on that for inspiration in some places. I think cyberpunk in general draws on cowboy bebop. Yeah. Um, You're just going to agree with me on that one, I see. Good. I was trying to, honestly, I was trying to figure out a joke about like Franz Ferdinand and how old you were. <laughs> Look, Franz Ferdinand was big in like 2003, 2004. I'm not that old. Oh, no, I wasn't talking about the band. I was talking about... Oh, the you're talking about the guy. Killed the start of the World War. <laughs> yeah, that's a too deep a cut for some of our listeners, okay? Yeah. 
Uh, so a quick rundown of what else happens in the episode. Basically, like we said, it is those two sentences. David beats the shit out of his bully, which is awesome. Um, but there's also a moment where the bully's father watches a video of this later and realizes that David might be good for a project that his company's doing. Uh, and mm-hmm. then basically David meets this girl who's um, robbing people on the train and they decide to work together to rob more people. He has a bit of a problem with his implant. Uh, they have to go back to Ripper Dock and get more um, more immunoblockers so he can actually survive. Uh, and she decides, no, I'm going to keep working with you, uh, takes him back to her place and they go on a date to the moon, which is kind of cute. Uh, but then Cute. it turns out she was just stalling and betrayed him to some edge runners who seem like they're the ones that want the same every time. Yeah. Every find time. A nickel every time. Yeah. There's a lot of betrayals in this. There is, like, which just, is kind of a classic, yeah. Classic way to add interest to a story. I feel that cyberpunk draws heavily on the idea of film noir or just noir in general. That okay, idea that yeah. everyone's out that. for the, that 1920s prohibition style. Everyone's out for themselves. The femme fatales. Everyone's going to stab you in the back and then turn out that, oh, I was just doing it for the money. I didn't really, it wasn't personal. I'm going to go back on my word to get back at someone. Yeah, there's just that little bit of element to it. And I'm wondering whether that's a US influence or whether that's just part of the genre. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I can't say, honestly. Hmm. Um that one on it didn't stand out to me. Well, it wasn't something that I picked up on, at least. Maybe that's just something that I notice in general from from yeah. I think it's more of just everything. It just ties into the whole everything sucks all the time. Yeah, and people people are just bad. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's fair. People. Are, well, I don't think people. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. People are just people suck. I'm I'm jumping yeah. between my two ideas here, just, just jumping between yeah. tracks. But people do just suck. But there is something about Lucy. Like it's very clear in this episode. There's something between Lucy and right. David. That those two classic have found anime this girl. Yeah, yeah, she is a classic anime girl. She she's is got the like, most classic anime girl. She's wearing like a leotard and then a jacket. Like a, it's, it's got to be jacket. so impractical. That's so impractical. Like even for cyberpunk oh, yeah. fashion, it's just we haven't even worst. talked about the fashion yet. <laughs> well, David's is like pretty simple and straightforward. Well, he's just wearing like a jacket. He's wearing his mother's jacket, right? At this stage, he's just got like some track pants. He's got some some sneakers like his is pretty yeah. pretty basic and i gotta say i do love that trauma team jacket we didn't talk as much about trauma teams as i wanted last week um simply because i'm lazy we didn't have forgot. insurance we couldn't yeah we couldn't no we didn't <laughs> i feel tra- this is probably not the time to talk about trauma teams either but trauma teams basically super soldier medivac people if you've got an yeah. insurance policy they'll come and get you from whatever you've done um yeah i guess in in the world of cyberpunk you know, doctors still get paid, or well, like doctors are appreciated and do get paid enough. Yeah, I want to point out just now while we're on trauma teams. Before I forget, there's an amazing comic called for Cyberpunk 2077, which is just called Cyberpunk Trauma Team, and it's about a woman on a trauma team. Basically, her crew had to get a client out, and they all got killed by this edge runner who was going after him. And her first day back on the shift, she has to go and get someone. It's the fucking edge runner that killed her team. Oh, and she has to basically she has to protect him through this entire building of people trying to to slaughter him because he's the client and it's so good 
And basically the entire time she's like, I could just fucking kill him. I could just kill him. No one would know. <laughs> and it's, it's so clear. I really enjoy that. I love that idea for cyberpunk just in general. That's the kind of games that I'd want to run. Yeah. Like where you really um, give them those ethical choices and be like, yeah, but do oh, you though? Absolutely. Love, love those all the time. Um, the kind of militarized, militarized doctors does remind me of, I just, I can't remember the name, but it was the author's Owen Colfer. He's the guy who wrote, writes yeah. the, um, Artemis yeah, the, Fowl series. Yeah. Uh, he did another book, which was just a single book. And it was like a futuristic, slightly dystopic kind of novel. Um, but that one had like mili- militaristic lawyers basically. So they would just oh, show wow. up and yeah, it's, I guess it's a little like, the nego- I am the right? negotiator. <laughs> Yeah, but basically it's like yeah. it's like the Simpsons gags where they're like calling the lawyers or whatever. But mm-hmm. they're just really yeah. Uh, which kind of reminds me of that. And it is just a that's kind of a fun thing, right? You just take any old profession and turn it up. Give them guns. <laughs> yeah, I'm the much. firefighter. I have a, a water gun. No. Yeah. No, I and that's interesting because just going back, well, I guess it ties in with the trauma team. Judge Dredd again being an awesome if he's running I want to play the Judge Dredd game anyway that's my mind is obviously sparking a lot on this idea I've got, I'm starting to short circuit a bit uh, that when David starts to overload on Chrome that they have to go by the regular hospital like because he doesn't have insurance oh yeah, yeah. and even then the paramedic pulls a gun on him <laughs> I love that yeah yeah it's like they're going to rob him and take the implant and it's up to Lucy oh. to bust them out so that's right. We were talking about Lucy and fashion and um, and that she's the right. Well, the fashion maker. is a big part of it as yeah. well. Yeah. It's it's that little bit of mix of this is what we thought the future was going to look like 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's like, we just, we have to come up with something different because mm. it's in the future. <laughs> There's no way people can just be wearing the same stuff. Like well, we I have think- to turn it, yeah. That's an element of cyberpunk in general, that it's always, this is what we think the future will be like in 20 years. Like, particularly when it comes to fashion. Like, in the 80s, it was still a little bit like 80s fashion, but future. And then in the 90s, it's like, yeah, "Yeah, now it's all grungy, but like future grungy. And now it's very much that high fashion, like super visible, but future. Well, you have like the the classic as well, like from the '60s, like the Jetson kind of, all the the hoops and the space yeah. age kind of. Yeah, that's also a different future vibe. Yeah, but Lucy feels slightly different. She feels more anime Final Fantasy character future. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas everyone else is a little bit more. I can probably see them walking around like that if they they're looking a bit weird, but they look like thugs. Whereas Lucy looks like a Final Fantasy character. And it kind of, it makes sense when David and Lucy kind of first meet, like, okay, well, he's, the contrast of fashions is is like to help establish the difference in their characters and stuff. But it is kind of interesting Mm. that as the series progresses, David doesn't really change his fashion. Well, she doesn't either. Does she? But she's already there. She's already at that level, right? right. If we're equating it to like status or, you know, his his powers and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, his well, that's another of, thing. But edge running. he changes his body later on. Like he—that's what his thing is. He's changing. He's putting more chrome into himself from this episode on. And isn't that kind of the point? He doesn't change how he looks because he's changing yeah. himself. 
Whereas she doesn't need to change her looks either because she's also kind of chromed up. So once you kind of go, well, I change who I am, what my body is and who I am inside, I'm not even going to worry about what I look like on the outside or what my clothes are because they're not important. Yeah. Um, That did remind me as well when I was just thinking of like David's starting out as such a He's he's kind of a he's blank a slate kid. at the start. Sorry. Yes, he yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's very like a he's a pretty simple not in on a bad way. Like he's got his clear goals and motivations and stuff. But there was that weird thing of like he had never drunk carbonated drinks. I just remembered. I thought like he what is was up just with having that? a reaction to that. But that's like, like he... a weird kind of ongoing thing. I feel like that one didn't land with me. I'm not sure what that was about either. I just thought that was a weird thing about. You know, he's got weird tech in him. He doesn't smoke. Maybe he's just... I thought it was like for his innocence. Yeah, Yeah. he is more of a goody two-shoes than everyone else around him. But I assume he had had some beer because even in the future, the Bruce of brand obviously has (laughs) a lot of... um, It's got electrolytes. (laughs) Yeah, it's got electrolytes. (laughs) No, actually, you're right. It is. I think it's just because he's not good with alcohol. Because he, Maybe, she gives yeah. him the brosif, which again, I love. Of course, it's called brosif beer. And he like, goes, and has to spit it out. Then he drinks it again. He's a bit better with it. But then when they're in the, the sim, um, in the brain dance, he, she gives him the gravity free bubbly, which I assume is like a champagne like thing. And he has the same reaction. Yeah. And it's like, is it just, is it carbonated fizzy stuff or is it just alcohol that he's bad with? Yeah, I'm not sure if that one feels a bit like an anime thing, right? Of like a yeah. like a real person wouldn't react in that way or behave that way, kind of. Yeah, he does kind of like jump up and down and, and be, have little sweat drops coming down his face. Yeah. Yeah, which I liked. It was a cute date, honestly. It was, uh, yeah, it was cute. Yeah. Um, so this episode has David using the Sandy a whole bunch. Yes, which I like that we do get to see very early on. This is what it um, does. I just want to say how how much I love the animation. Oh, yeah. he uses the Sand Devastan. Oh, it's just amazing. I love it. That felt very 70s to me. I'm not sure. Like, there's a number of early 70s openings, like Battle of the Planets, um, a few other shows like that, where it's like, it's got those mirror images, the... Um, I get, what, do you, what would you call yeah, I don't know what you call yeah I don't know what you call them but I, I think I know what you're talking about yeah I guess the mirroring slightly smaller effect if you see the movement of them flying yeah. across the screen there's like a little after image behind them I'm just thinking of the kind of old like windows wall wallpapers and stuff like that like the yeah the um the the solitaire screensavers yeah yeah the solitaires yeah the solitaire windscreen yeah as it all yeah. bounces down and that, that just looks so cool because he the first thing he does is show up and beat the shit out of Katsuyo. And we get oh, to see very my, early one on. One of my favorite characters. Yeah. We get to see so early on exactly what does it do. Like we see all the super fast punching and that difference between that's the super fast punching you normally see in anime. And then it changes. Like David is faster than that. And you see him just kind of do the, he's basically Quicksilver. From from X Men, uh, yeah, whatever it was, first class, All the X- no. yeah, Days of Future Past, yeah, but yeah, that he sees time slow down and he's just able to move um, around it, and it's just really cool. 
It's really cool. And I think it's, like, smart animating, right? Because you're not... Like, you're just keeping the previous frame there, right? Like, it's not... Yeah. It doesn't feel like it should be that much more effort or whatever, but it still has such a great impact. Mm. It. I also like that we see that this thing he's got doesn't make him super strong. It doesn't make him, like, really great with guns or anything. It just turns him into the Flash. Yeah. Like, the first thing he does, he zooms around behind Katsuo and just punches him instead. And, like, kinetic energy means that Katsuo flies across the room and, like, breaks his nose. But David still hurts his hand. Yeah. It's like, it's still a punch. He's still human. It's just he's much, much faster. Yeah, consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's just like, yeah, you've still got to be able to do something with it. And this is, again, the consequences that you see once he um, realizes, well, I'm not taking the immunoblockers that you need when you get cyberware installed. At this point, well, at this point, he didn't even know about it, I think. No, he didn't. It's not until the end yeah. of the episode where where he like... <laughs> which, is, which is such a dick move from Ripley. I know. It's, well, that's the thing because he's expecting... <laughs> that's probably the most come... irresponsible thing, yeah. It really is. Done. It's like that could have killed him. It's like, he, I guess he's expecting David to come back and realize, oh my God, I'm sick. He's like, well, I can take it out, out for you for free. Kind yeah. of kind of one. Which is, again, he's a... Ripper Doc being a dick, but, you know, I'm, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also forgive love... him. <laughs> he's in my pass basket. Love... This, is, this comes up when he's using the Sandy a lot, but it's, I yeah. guess it applies to the world in general, but it's like, it's very colorful, which I really yeah. do like. There's such a an awful world and how terrible things are just the constant color really helps to like balance that out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just really make like it, that as make well. Make it nice to look. Everything's just nice to look at. Honestly, it, it suddenly becomes a cartoon. Everything sucks. Everything sucks, but it's, it's nice it's to look so at. It's so pretty. Well, I guess in that kind of the point that the world sucks. So why would you not use that as often as you ah, could? It's a metaphor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a, another thing that he is using it. And like I said, Tanaka, the uh, Katsuo's father, is watching this footage later of his son getting the shit kicked out of him and gets told it doesn't seem like he's got any side effects from using this. Unlike the, the soldier that it was attached to previously. Uh, and it's like, this is some, this is different. We should get this guy in and look at him and study him and figure out what it is. What is it about him that means that he can do this? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of seed planting in this episode. Yeah, and again, Reggie Doc says the same thing. It's like, no, you're just like everyone else. You're not special, kid. Like you might be able to do this so often. Like classic. he's done it like eight times or something. It's a classic anime. Yeah, it's like you're special, kid. <laughs> you're special. What's the one where they're fighting the big robots in the desert? It's a super famous Laguna Lagoon. Um, Garuna, like. no, Gurren Lagan. Yeah, yeah, that's what it reminded me of for some reason. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. That one's got some wild animation. Yeah, that's weird as fuck. <laughs> the whole, whole thing, weird as hell. But that's anime for you. I don't know why it yeah. reminded me of that. I guess because they got the same hair or something. And because it's a bunch of muscle-bound dudes in the desert, which we see later on. Oh, we love those, yep. Just that, like that's Jojo. kind of... <laughs> Just like Jaja. Just like Jojo. Jojo's oh, okay. That makes more sense. It's <laughs> like not weird Phantom Menace cut. It's like, all right, oh, sure. Big crossovers. Yeah, yeah. No Star Wars anime yet. Anyway, um, where were we up to? We were talking about... Um, Reg- we keep coming back to Ripper Doc. I love yeah. that. <laughs> now, I think he's, re- we need the Ripper Doc spinoff series. We do. 
We do. Uh, I'm hoping they do another series like about other characters and Ripper Doc's kind of the through line. Like when the Netflix mm. did the, oh, yeah, um, yeah. the Marvel <laughs> stuff. the loose, yeah. Yeah, he's like the connecting element to it all. Because like, like um, yeah. who was it? Tur- was it Turk? In um, in Luke Scrubs. Cage. Oh. <laughs> and, and Rosario Dawson's character in the Netflix Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones yeah. series. Yeah. Like, just Ripper Doc. He's the one you go to if you need some. Just random. Yeah, just... Just some random guy. We're like, yeah, we'll, we'll make him the most important character. He yeah. ties everything together. Yeah. It, it suddenly, it, that would make it feel like more of a real world to me. And again, well, we're finally going back to RPG elements. When I have a campaign world that I use, I tend to have an NPC like that, uh, that they uh, different groups can visit, that they're yeah. always going to see this. Like, if you know someone, it's kind of that reusing of an NPC. It's like, well, do you need potions? Yeah. You go to this guy. And so I always know who they're going to be going to. And it's a little bit critical role where it's like, well, if you need potions, you go see Gilmore. And seeing him show up again and again does make the world feel a little bit more real, uh, particularly to me as a game master, but also if you have the same group going to a location as different characters. Yeah. Yeah, I do really like that. I like that um, that wasn't in the episode at all, but we're just going to throw it in. Well, it was something it's, that's cool. Honestly, it's it's still a pretty content light episode. It's a lot of yeah. you know, still world building, still kind of a lot of vibes, just all around. Um, there's the whole you know montage of just pickpocketing stuff, which really doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's just some like developing the characters a little bit. And I was wondering about what are they exactly stealing. Yes, see that just begs another question. Are those little data chips you put in like that's also cash? Well, or, I think like... I realized later on what it is because you know in the first episode how Katsuyo slotted the anime chip that gave him all those skills. Yeah. Well, it's basically that. It's their their work skills. It's whatever they're doing to like just general stuff, and she's just popping it out and he's grabbing them, which I'm not sure why she needs him to do it. So you seem to be doing a pretty good job by herself yeah. already. I think there might have been she can hit like uh, different a different clientele, right? Maybe she was just pickpocketing the kind of the lower people down, but now she's hitting like corpo dudes who who have better security and stuff. Yeah, she I'm. Be able to otherwise, I'm wondering because she did three. He did three at once for her, and I'm wondering if that's better because she can only really hit one at a time. Yeah. And really, it's like, I hit two or three people in a car and then I've got to move on. Whereas he can be like, I'm going to hit everyone in this car. And then we change trains and we hit another car and we hit another car and we hit another car. And they can just keep doing that all day. Yeah. And I think that's another... I did kind of think about that, but I think it's another example of... Like, your world building doesn't have to be perfect. (laughs) We just got to accept that they're doing crime. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like, they're stealing something. I don't know exactly what they're stealing or, or what it's for or who they're selling it to because sometimes those details just don't really matter. You just distract them mm. with all the the pretty moon sequences and people <laughs> not ask any questions. The moon sequence is really pretty. The animators went yeah. to town on that one. Like, the art in that is fantastic. Yeah, and it goes back to that. We, we got way off topic at the start of talking about the moon. Mm-hmm. But that is, like, a, such a classic... You know, look to the stars and, and dream. Dream of something better. It's very anime, very cyberpunk in my opinion. I mean, 
Cowboy Bebop, they're going all over the galaxy, but there's still that, this is the moon that you go to when you retire kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, Critical Role's just done a thing on the moon as well. Oh, like moon, yeah, there's a whole campaign about the moon. The moon's haunted. <laughs> uh, but it is getting off world. Like Elysium just recently had the same sort of thing. It's like all the, the fancy people live in the ring around the world and all the, yep. the trash people. Blade Runner's the- a classic as well. Blade Runner, um, the classic neuromancer from William Gibson. It's like, yeah, there's the the corporations that live off planet, partly because, you know, tax deductions. Uh, <laughs> it's like there's no tax in space. <laughs> But there's that idea, and I think it comes from that 1970s US focus, like you were saying, that there was this obsession with getting into space and not going to other planets, but just living in space. Yeah, and in your game, it doesn't have mm. to be space or the no. moon. You know, it, it that's just more what's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it, that's just more what's appropriate for the format, right, and for the, yeah. for that world. It's a futuristic world, so we, we've got space travel, so we'll put it in space. It's, we don't have to show anything. Like, it's in space. So what, um, what do you do for your world? Because part of it is this dream of there being no limits. Like, they're talking about... Like, they have this discussion that David says that the moon is basically a prison colony. Like, you're, you're trapped up there. And um, Lucy then says that, hey, it's it's... I think I'll try to put the clip in because it makes more sense Um, that it's a that it's better than down here right back at you like that kind of gonk poster got a problem Uh, no problem just always whacked me out all of those ads making it seem like it's some kind of paradise or something lots of peeps died trying to turn that dumb rock into something useful more like a prison camp than a paradise if you ask me Sounds to me like someone did their homework. You called it a prison camp. To me, this city's a whole lot worse. This place? I want to go away, far as possible. Their dreams are kind of what makes this series, like the two of them trying to strive for something. And do you try to put something into your game that the players can strive for like that? Or do you expect them to come up with that as part of their character backstory? Yeah, I mean, that does feel like a a character-driven thing. It doesn't mm. feel like something that I would kind of imprint onto my characters. Like, hey, you need to be hopeful about so the future. You wouldn't have, like, the, the golden city where only the good people get to go or the super wealthy people get to go. And it's, like, just not even saying, hey, this is what you're aiming for, but just, like, have it as a thing that the characters will go, well, if I want to be wealthy, I'm going to make it there. Mm. I mean, that's a that's an interesting question, honestly, and it's one that hasn't really, I don't think it's really come up because I think whenever I, my worlds will have like bad things in them, but it's usually on a much kind of smaller scale, I guess, yep. and it's almost a bit just more lighthearted in that sense. It's not it's not that overwhelming, like dour. The whole world sucks, right? It's just like, oh, these bandits are pillaging this village constantly but it's we can just leave the village and everything will be better as soon as we go away yeah just put that behind us yeah yeah once we've defeated the quest it's um the world stays the same it's great yeah but it is i think a lot of that's on the characters and i think what they want to do with the characters and okay yeah i like to do pretty much the same 
I don't like to think too much and, and direct them too often, but I do like to show them things that they might want, like talk about, you know, the ancient ruined city of such and such. And say, like, oh, we want to go there. It's like, all right, cool. Well, we can go there if you want. And right, have, right, yeah. have, this is a, a hero that you meet who is lauded by like the, the king's champion or something. And he's got this cool magic item. Like, oh, we want one of those. How do we get one of those? It's like, all right, well, now I know where I'm going to take your story. Like kind of dangling these options in front of them of showing this is what you could become or you could be the villain or where do you want to take this? And I'll kind of adapt the story to, to make that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all you're giving me. Just, I feel like, just I feel like you just covered it all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Podcast over. Like- the end. <laughs> well, actually, I did kind of want to briefly touch on, because I think you mentioned how we were talking about Ripper Doc earlier. Yeah, Ripper um, Doc. For like MVP of the series and stuff. Because this is, I think, uh, not a very common format. Uh, the miniseries, right? No. That's what Cyberpunk uh, yeah. Edgerunners yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there's an interesting parallel between that as well and potentially how you run like a D&D campaign or adventure. Oh, totally. Yeah. I can see where you're going with this. Keep going. Yeah. Well, because normally you have like the ends of the spectrum with D&D or any RPG, you'd have like a one shot, which is like a film. It's just a, just you're in there for a couple of hours. It's self-contained. You don't need to know anything going in. Just bam. Um, Then you have a campaign, which goes for who knows how long. And yeah, most of the time doesn't even finish, you know, so many campaigns start, but just don't finish. They just fizzle out. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, those are like those TV series that just keep going on. Yeah. Most TV series will end, but not necessarily the way that you'd planned them to end. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things change along the way, you know, writer's strike, rest in peace, heroes. Um, <laughs> Look, so I gave you the stuff. option to talk about heroes. You, you chose this instead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like whenever I do th- the only other miniseries I can think of when I think of like oh what was a miniseries all I can think of is Chernobyl and Chernobyl was so good like I feel like more there should be more miniseries that's all I'm getting from yes. this. Well, I think it's that idea of shared universes um, that comics do so well and that cyberpunk can do so well that everyone's got their own story and it's such a massive universe that you can have concurrent stories. And I think that works for an RPG that you can have these short little self-contained, hey, you're a crew of criminals working in the biggest city in the world and the, our adventures that are going to go for three months are just this one heist or you going from level to level and it's just these s- small adventures that you're doing. Yeah. And then you jump over and you tell different characters in the same city, but maybe they're the town guard. Maybe they're the sewer rats who have to fight off for like a, a mind flare invasion or something. And it's all going on at once. Or it's jumped, all go- really jumped up there. Yeah. I jumped up the, the stakes there, <laughs> yeah. but that kind of idea that all these things are happening in this one city, but they don't know about each other. And they only kind of interconnect when they run into like the same, same NPCs. Yeah. And I think it's important to not overstay your welcome either. In that sort yeah. of scenario. And I think that's the issue with something like Star Wars, for example. I'm oh, not yeah. the biggest like Star Wars guy, but obviously Star Wars is so big on the merchandising and so I big mean, on like, oh, remember this guy? Like, oh, look, it's that guy. And every time, you know, I remember like Boba Fett just 
ended up being like the Mandalorian part two towards the end because they're just like, oh, let's bring Mando back. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've got to have, have more Mando. Everyone loves Mando. Fucking love Mando. Um, and that's like, that's maybe gone too far of trying to tie things in, right? And it's like, mm. instead of just letting each story kind of breathe on, their, on its own. Yeah. No, I think that's something that hopefully Cyberpunk and other shows like this will do because it's something that we can really learn from for RPGs. And I think these would be a good way of showing that you can do it. I believe the comics do that. But isn't that kind of what you do when you build a homebrew world anyway? Well, like I think as well, I think as well for RPGs is that it's, it's nice to have like a better, it has to set these expectations going into it, at least for players of like, oh, it's only going to last like a couple months right it's yeah. not like a oh who knows when this is gonna end or if we'll get there if you can right from the get-go be like hey it's just like six sessions roundabout we'll see how we go we'll just do that you know yeah um and i think that's got a lot of to. i think that's got a lot of potential as a format yeah. i think that's a great if you can get a group together and particularly as a shared world you can also alternate the dms or the game masters yeah and great. say like okay this is the world we're all going to play in I'm going to run for six months. Then we're going to take a week or two off and Tim's going to run for us for the next six months. And then a thief's going to run for us for another six months. And then Meek's going to run for us for another six months. Um, Just going through my, my, the notes on my phone now. (laughs) But that idea of it's still the same world, but it's just going to be different areas, different characters. And, but you really get to experience and build that together. And it makes it much more of a collaborative storytelling rather than me as the game master saying, this is the world, this is what the world is like. And you get to inhabit it, but you don't get to change it too much. Yeah. And I think it also, it gives you some freedom to explore stuff that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Mm. Um, even just, I mean, mechanically, you can say, oh, like, we're going to homebrew this rule for this little short campaign and see how that goes. And maybe afterwards, you're like, nah, that sucks. Let's not, let's not keep that. Doesn't anymore. do that. No. Yeah. Well, actually, speaking <laughs> of homebrew rules and like and seeing if things work, I want to talk, this is going to feel like a weird segue, but the idea of the immunoblockers and right. the drugs that, that David needs. Uh, to keep his Sandy from yes, I don't. It doesn't. Is it just killing him, or is it scrambling his brain and like giving him cyberpsychosis? I think it's a little bit of both, and I'm I'm also not sure if cyberpsychosis how established of a thing that is in the cyberpunk world either. Yeah, I, it uh, but we can talk feel... about that more that we because that's going to come up so much later. So I'll bring it up now just so people can see if my opinion changes later on. Cyberpsychosis to me feels like a made up disease. Like it sounds like everything's made up. All right, cool. It's it's, this is a fictional world, Jeremy. We're not watching a documentary. No, it feels like the thing they say. Yeah, uh, in Buffy, where they're like, "Yeah, the gang was on PCP. It's not vampires. It's like something else has happened, and they've just said, oh, yep, it was a cyberpsychosis incident. Oh no, how terrible is mental illness? Oh no, bad guy with a gun, kind of stuff. Just so they don't have to deal with the tough. That would be a really interesting like take on it. Instead, yeah. Yeah, because it feels a little bit like it's overdiagnosed or it's always the excuse when it might not always be. Like, yeah, it feels it's like, like it is a real thing, but yeah. not to the extent that they're blaming everything. Yeah, and it's also a bit of a... It's not a MacGuffin because a MacGuffin can be just anything, but it's like, here's mm. the thing that we're talking about and you just kind of squeeze in as many references as you can to this thing 
to really emphasize that this is it's, it was like in arcane like shimmer it's like everything's about shimmer mm-hmm. and it's yeah which is not a real thing in that world but we don't <laughs> have to talk about it. <laughs> We well, when we come back game. for Arcane, yeah. But the yeah. idea that Cyber Psycho... Like, he is a bit worried that will Cyber Psychosis kill him just because he's got this one thing yeah. in him. And, um, yeah, I think Ripidox is like, well, maybe. You don't know. <laughs> I, but also, like, just, just keep it under a couple of times a day if you really have to do it. And Lucy's the same. She's like, don't use this thing more than you have to. Yeah, I mean, immunosuppressants, I mean, like, what is that? I mean, obviously, it's just, like, some jargon they made up. But, like, does it make sense, immunosuppressants? Well, well, why is it killing him? Why is he affected like this if they're not... They're not... But if he's... I mean, it's got to be a mental thing, because that's the whole kind of premise of him being the chosen one, right? Is that it's it's yeah. a mental thing of... Yeah. Because they do mm. talk about, like, the physical form needing to match. Um, but I feel like it's not as big of a deal. I just kind of assumed that the flesh just couldn't take the strain of what he was doing to it, or like his. Brain I mean, that's like the logical, the of, yeah, yeah. Or maybe just like having an implant at all, the body keep, just keeps trying to reject it. So the body's like these immunoblockers, like no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. You're fine. Just relax. Yeah. I think my take is that it's just a little hand wavy bit of world building. They're like, we're not really going to explain why. He needs like the drugs made up to this, live. Yeah, we've made up cyberpsychosis, so we're going to make up a cure for it as well. So cyberpsychosis is in the RPG. I don't. I just remember reading some news about modders putting it into the game, for example. So oh, that okay. wasn't in the game uh, for the video game. Right. So maybe it is then if they've already got that idea. Which yeah, that kind of makes me lean towards that. Yeah, I'm wondering because going to Shadowrun, which is my basis for cyberpunk knowledge sure. that since it has magic it has that magic is the natural world and cyberware is the technological world and that idea that if you get enough um uh technology in you it de- disconnects you from the magical world so if you've got magical talent getting more cyberware means that your magical talent dwindles and you're not as good at dealing with magic but you can right. also you know blow someone fucking away before they actually pull a fireball on you. So there's that balance of it, but you do have to kind of keep it balanced if you want to be able to do magic. Yeah, I don't know anything about Shadowrun, so I'm just going okay, cool. to unfortunately just... just have to take your word for it. All right, I'm, I'm quite willing to accept that just Immunoblock is just a hand-wavy thing away, but I'm wondering then, is it worth it in an RPG, like say a magical one or a fantasy yes. one, of going, here's a cool magic item, but you got to do this other thing to keep it up. Like you got to, you got to sacrifice a frog to keep the cool sword every day. A frog? Well, I wanted to say a baby, but I feel that <laughs> would have going to be a little bit much. But you know, you've got to, you've got to take a, a D four yeah. of damage every morning, and it can't yeah, be yeah. healed. Otherwise, you don't get the sword. I mean, I I personally love those kinds of mechanics. And especially, even if there's, especially if there's like a, a moral kind of angle to it as well. Um, but some players can be like really resistant to that is what yeah, I found. I do they find that just, players yeah. want the really cool thing without any cost. Yeah. I had, um, I think I had a magic item in my homebrew game that involved, I think they had to make like a con save in order to use it. Basically it was like a yep. part magic weapon, part spellcasting focus, like super cool. 
um, ability to gain spell slots back, you know, when you crit, stuff like that. But if you failed the con save, you would just lose your turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was very high risk, high reward, and no- nobody's used that, like, at all. It's been over a year. Do you have every magic item have a drawback like that, or is it just certain, like, super powerful ones? Certain ones, although my, my game is a very magic item heavy game, so I've taken yep. a, a different approach where I've just... I, I overload them a little bit too much. I try to just give them too many options so that they, they don't utilize them efficiently as possible. That's not a bad idea. I can see that backfiring on both accounts. So, um, yeah. yeah, we'll, well see there's how that also works like, for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, we, there's a lot of approaches to that, whether it's, like, achievements, obviously a big one, or just, like, mm, consumables, but not very powerful consumables. So that way they can still give them stuff. I did like that this is the how you attune to something. Like, you actually have to go to a dock and have it, like, installed yeah, into you. Yeah, Like, that's the hour that it takes. Like, that was a little bit too much. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that magic items should have a cost. And, unfortunately, I'm too lazy and just kind of give a magic item without thinking about what's a cool cost to give this. So, it ends up being nothing. And generally I go, okay, here's another cool item. Here's the cost. And like, nah, it's too great. I'm not going to worry about that. Like, but it's so cool. I spent an hour creating it. Just fucking take the magic item already. Yeah. And I mean, the other obvious cost is like a curse, but. Yeah. Curses are good. Curses are fun. Curses, it really depends on the, because it's, I kind of hate those gotchas. Like those gotchas can become real old real fast as well. You got to be really, really sparse with them. I try to make it a curse where it's like, you just don't give up the weapon. Like, you, you yeah. like this thing, and it's really awesome, but you can't take it off. It's like, you want this thing to stay on you at all times, and you can't de-attune from it. Yeah, I do like those curses. And particularly yeah. making it, like, a mid-level thing, where they could get better, but they're stuck with this now. They're, I'm trying to remember, I did read something very cool for a curse, where it was literally just like... Um, oh, that's right, it takes the, the memories of whoever had it before last... And oh, okay. I've got to, I've got to double check it. It's like you're just cursed to use it until you die, and then whoever picks it up next has to deal with your shit. Yeah, and, and it's a great opportunity for roleplay as well. Like obviously, yeah. Like you give them some weird personality quirks and stuff that they were too lazy to come up with themselves, and it could even just be like, hey, you have to, you know, do it, or you sing like every second line instead of just talking, and it's like, well. <laughs> Yeah, you got to speak in verse half the time. Yeah. It's like, have fun with that. <laughs> I'll have to find that because that was, yeah, there's some really, there's some good curses out there. And I feel that the ones that delve more into the role play <laughs> side gonna of it. going to clip that one. Yeah. There, there are some good curses out there. There are some good curses out there. Like They're not all, not all curses bullshit, are bad. Not all curses are bad. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to be the controversial person who says that not all curses are bad. Uh, not all episodes are bad either this was not a bad episode uh, this was a good episode I feel it was just standard there wasn't a huge a lot a lot of stuff to, for us to talk about which is why um, yep. we're kind of wrapping it up here I think unless it ended on a else. cliffhanger it did I like that yep. it does it did make me want to come back for more and I'm pretty certain I yes. came back for more almost immediately after that so which was tuning- good because it, it was slow at the start so it's good yeah. to really like amp it up there a little yeah uh, so tune in next week uh, where you can hear about the next episode yep great segue well done jeremy um there is one more thing that we need to do before we wrap the episode up and that is talk about how a character that we saw in the last 
previous episode, the one we just watched, we'd use as a play... Fucking hell, what is with me tonight? Play a character or NPC in your game. Afif, you talk now. Can I go? Can I go back to Katsuo? Or is that? I mean, technically no, because I mean, everyone else has broken the rules. So if you want to be Katsuo again, sure, go for it. I mean, we've talked about him so much. So I, I mean, we have to shout out Ripper Doc, like yeah, as as a PC, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I had Lucy written down, but I think I'm going to change to Ripper Doc too. <laughs> Just Ripper Doc's the, fucking awesome. You need to find the right level of pervert, like yeah, to, to, to really not overstay your welcome. Yeah, I've got a um, a character that I was using for quite a while called Skeezy Pete, uh, who's like, "Oh okay. yeah, guys. I mean, I just need I just need a little bit of money. I've got a job for you, as you know. I mean, I just need you to go out there and get a bit of cash for me, you know." And no one ever actually killed him. He was the worst character in the world. Like he sold drugs to kids, but um, no one ever bumped him off. I really should bring him back. I just need the right adventure. I think. Yeah. Just make he, him, just give him a like, doctorate. I'll, make, I'll yeah. give him a doctorate and he'll be the one that runs the cyber com- yeah. Com- clinic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Excellent. Reggie, Ripper Doc. I keep wanting to call Reggie Doc. It's because of his accent. Yeah, that's true. The reggae. Reggae, reggae, reggae Doc. Feel to it. It, I, it feels, obviously he's a doc. And I feel that they call a lot of the clinics like that he does Ripper Docs. I think like, Ripper Docs is the name of like that profession kind of thing. They yeah, just call but, him Doc. So he doesn't actually have a name. I don't think so. Because he's not important enough, right? No, he's not. He's just, he's scum. He's, yeah. you know, the guy. Anyway, uh, we are important enough to have a name. We are D&D and TV. And I am Jeremy and that was a thief. Um, so we are the, <laughs> we are this podcast for the rest of the series. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, well, you can, you can send an email to me. Uh, if you want to get in touch with a thief, still send the email to me because he doesn't have social media and he's not going to, uh, Ayo. send it to dndntvpod at gmail.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram at dndntvpod. You can also leave reviews, uh, wherever podcasts are found and leave ratings, which is great because five stars get us out to more audiences. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You are awesome people. Stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. Wesley, crush it out there. Uh, but until next time, may all your hits be crits. <laughs>